Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Polish Presents Unappreciated Masterpieces. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I'm one of your hosts, Bartek Kaspersak. <laughs> you really want to be me, don't you? No, I said my name, well, even my last name. Well, Bartek, we're Spit and Polish, likingly, because we're always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish, isn't that right? Yep, didn't ask, but you told me. It's a, it's a clever little... Clever little name thing there. And we cover unappreciated masterpieces, the movies that society might say, hey, why do you want to talk about those? Those movies aren't that great. And we say, hey, they are that great. How dare you? And we say, you clearly are not woke about the UMs. Exactly. And we give feature-length audio commentary tracks for those movies, the movies that society and, and critics and, heck, even some of the filmmakers that make them say... You, they don't, they don't deserve this. You, you said, you said heck, but I thought you said Herc. I'm like, did Hercules not like this? <laughs> Disney's Hercules, yes. Or, or Greases. Or Arnold Schwarzenegger in one of his first movies, Hercules in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was like, no. So, Bartek, during this month, we've been also oh, yes. going on the theme of covering not only unappreciated masterpieces, but an unappreciated filmmaker, which is Kevin Smith. Kevo. Kevin Smith, a very much liked um, media personality, like mm. he has his podcasts and he does all the IMDb things and he, everyone loves his public speaking, but his movies, people are a little iffy on. People like some of his more stonery comedy clerks mm. and, and James Silent Bob stuff, but I, then I, when I, it comes I've... to his other movies, they're like, ah, I don't want Jessica. Yeah, I've learned that he's very much a take it or leave it kind of. Uh, and you, person we, whose stuff you can watch. And we are taking it to the bank oh, yeah. of podcast oh, making. Yes. Bartek, we've covered Jersey Girl. Mm-hmm. We covered Zack and Mary make a porno. Mm-hmm. We've, we, we covered Cop Out. Yep. What one are we covering this, this episode? As, as a little side note, I also watched Clerks over the week. Enjoy it? Yeah, really liked it. Oh, good. Yeah. Now you have to check out the others. <laughs> there are others? Yeah, Clerks 2, Morats, Dogma. He had other movies. <laughs> Good on you. Wow, we're learning a lot on Kevin Smith Month. <laughs> um, but no, we are not covering Clerks this episode. We are covering a later film from 2011 oh. called Stan. Okay, give me another taste of that one. 2011. <laughs> Fuck you. I knew you were going to do that. I could tell by the, by the glint in your <laughs> eye. It's either that or you're, you know, going to impregnate someone. It's that kind of glint. So, Bartek, you spoke Polish then. The movie came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. It's a Polish movie that Kevin Smith made, and I imagine. Polish, yeah. I'm Polish. Don't speak the language, though. <gasps> <laughs> is the movie entirely in Polish? Or is this just the title? Like, did Kevin Smith one day just smoke a big fat blunt? He's like, whoa, what if we called the movie a Polish title? Is that what happened? Or is this kind of, some kind of localized version of of the real time? No, 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 no. This time it's it's very literally translated. Okay, so what is it? What's it translated of? Well, Ryan, Czerwony means red. Ah. 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 And Stan, spelled same as Stan, by the way, <laughs> did means. You, does, did, so you have to put the accent still on it, though, or can you just call it Stan? Well, no, because the name Stan has nothing to do with this film. It's a Polish word. Okay, okay. This isn't Big Stan. <laughs> we already covered that. Stan means state. Red State from 2011? Yes. With John Goodman? Good man. <laughs> he's a good man, like his evil cousin, John Badman. So, Bartek, we're doing Red State, Kevin Smith's first entry into the horror genre. Mm, genre, yes. Not Janeer. 
that's the Polish way of saying it. Bartek, we are not by ourselves, though. We had to team up for this episode with a guest. Yes. Unlike our last episode where we did it just by ourselves because the guest cancelled last minute and we were like, ah, oh, fuck it, let's do it by well, ourselves. Listening people don't know that. I know that. So, <laughs> Me too, but... <laughs> so, Bartek, who is our guest of honour to join us on the merry, merry, happy-go-fun dip slide that is Red State? I think you're patronising our podcast, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> Ryan, our guest is incredibly powerful. Thank you. So powerful that I'm going to say their first name and you're going to say their last name. That's good. That's good. Because I, I don't remember the last name, <laughs> even though we've been talking a lot. <laughs> I don't know it in general. So I'll tell you what. I'll say the first... You say their first name and I say what they're from. Yes. And then the guest can say the last name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a fun way. They're like, they're, what they're from is their middle name. That's mm-hmm. it. If you are a keen listener, you would have noticed that little spoiler Ryan gave that they're from something. Ooh. You're going to really like what joining, I'm say. Joining us for this episode of Spit and Polish Presents Unappreciated Masterpieces on Red State is Nick. From his mother. Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Nick from his mother Murphy? <laughs> That's actually... Have you been called that before? Because you're going to be called that for the whole episode Sounds now. like a kind of like badass thing to be. It sounds like a Samuel Jackson character. <laughs> Nick from his mother Murphy, yeah. Motherfucker. It's got, a, it's got a ring to it. It's got a ring. No, we are joined by Nick Nicholas from the Dem Fancy... Dinosaurs podcast. I always want to add boys at the end of that, like <laughs> Dem Fancy Dinosaur Boys. But no, it's just Dem Fancy Dinosaur Podcast. Hello, Nick. How are you? How's it going today? It's going very well. We're going to be covering Red State. But before we do that, how about you tell us and the listening people a bit about your podcast? What What do you do? What are you? Who are you? Why are you here? Well, his mum. Yeah, mind. yeah. I don't need to explain that one to you. Um, yeah. So Dem Fancy Dinosaurs. I'm fifty percent of the cast of Dem Fancy Dinosaurs, the other... Uh, Is the guy. microphone, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that and Kyle couldn't make it today. Damn it, Kyle. You're letting the team down. You're letting know, me down. Yeah, he picked up some OT at work, so poor guy. But yeah, we cover movies, TV shows, pop culture. Okay. Um, on a week-to-week basis. Okay. Plucking out some latest news and whatever we can find. Breaking it down. Yeah. We're working about shaping it and theming ourselves a bit better. Yeah. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, yeah. you know, you guys at home better check them out. I mean, mm-hmm. these are the guys that gave the only podcast brave enough to ask us a question for our Q&A, unlike oh, all those right. other <laughs> podcasts who were weak. But you guys at home have to be strong, like all of us here, because we're going to be covering Red State. You have to have a copy of the film, because I have a copy. I'm going to do a countdown from three. I'm going to go down and to one and say play. You're going to press play. And hopefully we'll be lined up as we speak about the majesty that is Red State. So Should get ready. <laughs> you're going to speak. You're going to do that the whole episode? I'm going to say a word and then you're going to do it like that? I don't have to. Okay, good. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so get ready. Go, go start this in three, two, one, play. Well, it's quick counting. I'm very good at counting. My teacher said so. So, Bartek, I'm going to ask you the very important question of could you ask Nick his history with this movie? Yes. <laughs> oh, I have to follow. Yeah. Um, you follow through. Yeah. Yes. Nick from his mother, Murphy. I would like to... <laughs> I won't make that a thing. <laughs> I want to make it a thing. Well, that's on you. Um, have you seen Red State before? I have. Ooh. Better than me. Yeah. I first watched it when I was, well, probably about two years after its release. I was really sick. 
mm-hmm. and I sat down and just sort of said, what is this? Started to give it a shot. I okay. thought it was fantastic. And then I started telling everyone else, hey, you should watch this movie. And then whenever I told someone about it and they watched it, they said that was a really bad movie. And you're like, but it was fully sick, and like I, me at the time yeah. watching it. And they're like, no way. <laughs> Well, so you you saw it a couple of years after its release when you were severely sick, but had you revisited it many times after that first initial viewing over the years? Yeah, I've probably seen it about eight times since eight? its release. I think it's one of the greatest that's, that's movies. Pro- you're probably the person who's watched it the most, according to people like Kevin Smith, who's very <laughs> self-deprecating about his own movies. Well, that's excellent, man. Yeah, I have a history with this movie too, Bartek. I have seen this movie uh, once before, having to rewatch it for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, my Back in my hometown, I, I have a friend, Jack, uh, Jack Duncan, and uh, we usually watch a bunch of these types of movies. And um, he, he just whacked this on, and, and every now and then we'll just randomly quote it at each other. We'll, he'll always quote the line where it's like, you know, how did you apprehend the suspect? And it's just like, I headbutted him. <laughs> he was yeah. standing unnaturally close. And then you tell him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, a bit of history with this movie. Uh, but having to rewatch it, I was enlightened during this sequence here, Bartek. I don't know mm-hmm. if you were enlightened because you just said a moment ago it was your first time seeing it. I don't. Did I say that? You already? said you had not seen it before. Oh, okay. So I imagine this was your first time. But did you really think at one point during the like during this entire movie that this was going to be in the hint at it being in the same universe as Dickie Roberts? Oh right, because she says knocking farts. <laughs> she says the catchphrase from the movie Dickie Roberts, knocking farts. <laughs> and it makes me believe that this is in the same universe as the David Spade comedy classic. <laughs> <laughs> Dickie Roberts, because it's not like she's quoting the film; she's quoting the TV show within yeah, Dickie yeah, Roberts. Yeah. So it's the child like, star role. Yeah. So it's like, I, I there's a trivia point. I don't know if you had a chance to look at the trivia, Nick, but there's a trivia thing where Kevin Smith says there's like 20 Easter eggs, and he won't tell yeah, you unless you or 10. Yeah. He's like he won't tell you unless you point them out. He he said yeah. one, which is like Stephen Root's character. Gets introduced with a like a, a shot to, to the, the head, a shot something? to the face, yeah. and then he ends the movie with a shot to the face. Yeah, uh, I reckon one of the other ones, and Kevin, I know you're listening. Um, is one of the other ones that this is in the same universe as Dickie Roberts? Because I can really imagine him doing that too. <laughs> he's like on his podcast. He's like, so you remember that film Dickie Roberts? Wouldn't it be great if I made a horror movie in the same universe as that and no one noticed? <laughs> I noticed, Kevin. I noticed. I noticed too, yeah. So, Bartek, this was your first time viewing it. Tell us your experience, because, you know, Nick and I, we, we, we've seen this before, and we kind of had an inkling of what to expect re-watching it, but what about you? Yeah, I had heard that this is his uh, first foray into the horror genre, because you told me that. Um, so, definitely, I was wondering, you know, what the horror was going to be. Is it going to be supernatural? Is it going to be more grounded? Um, and I could already tell, you know, from the beginning of this film, but like, okay, they start. It's starting off kind of normal, but like the 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 tint of the film is a bit more bleak. So maybe something, yeah, something bad's gonna happen for sure at some point. But it was it was just a matter of what was it gonna be. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely when they were heading to the trailer, 
you know that that I was I knew that the inciting <laughs> incident would be somewhere there. Yeah, you'd have to assume so when they're in the middle of nowhere in the dark in this mm. small trailer. Yeah, like maybe maybe they'll open the woman's closet and they'll find Narnia and something bad will happen there. But did you expect all the religious craziness to ensue? Well, definitely. Well, one of the first things we see is you know a bunch of non not Westboro Baptist Church people picketing <laughs> a funeral and then the teacher in the classroom basically outlines like oh yeah they've been notorious like who was who was afraid of them like some these people won't even touch these people they're too yeah crazy. yeah the nazis nazis yeah. yes <laughs> who were those people again those <laughs> those Nazis, were they called? The, the nasties? The, the nasty the... boys? <laughs> I mean, when, oh boy. when I was watching the film, uh, obviously when it, when the teacher scene was happening, I was thinking to myself, okay, when we do it on the, well, when we do the recording, I'll definitely have to pay more attention just so I can, yeah. you know, catch all the foreshadowing. We were kind of distracted, but, you know, I, I definitely remembered elements from it. So, Nick, having to revamp yourself into the world, having seen it many, many a times, I mean, eight's quite impressive. Was there anything that you noticed this time round? Like, anything that caught you by surprise? To be honest, I actually never realised the amount of protesting that was going on at the start. Yeah. Like, I kind of just... When a movie starts, I'll kind of just ease myself into yeah. it. Mm. And then now I did... It was all in your face. And also now, right now, the yeah. missing gay teen. That's true. And then it's, you know, you get some answers to that later on without them showing, like being in your face. It's like, yeah, these guys did it. <laughs> like it was, there's no scene in which the... Michael Parks is just like, all those homosexuals that have been killed in a serial, serial killer manner, we did it. Like they just show you. Yeah. They don't I need like to tell them. you. And this is a movie with a 10 minute monologue sequence. For Christ's sakes. Oh. Is that Michael Parks' sermon? Yeah, it's basically wow, like 10, 10 minutes. It's, yeah. it's not a full monologue because he does get in, yeah, but it's yeah. basically a monologue yeah. of I, 10 I was, minutes length. Yeah, yeah, when the film started, I was paying attention just to see like... How what, many Breaking Bad actors were in this movie for no apparent well, reason? You know I haven't seen that, so no. <laughs> no, just like paying attention to see if like everyone at that was, you know, picketing that funeral was actually... At in, the church. And, and they were. And yeah, even Michael Parks was there for a little bit. Of course. Uh, I loved this movie, re-watching it again. And I, I cursed myself for not having watched it eight times. Like, Nick, <laughs> because... Bartek, I watched this last night with my fiance Rachel. She had not seen this movie before. She was horrified by it. She was like, this is by the guy who did Jersey Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jersey Girl. But you really would have loved my full body reaction to the revelation that Steven Root's in this movie. Yeah. Because I forgot that he's in this movie. So during this whole scene where they have the jump scare, kind of like he pops out. And it was not me being jump scared. I was like, oh, Steven Root's in this? Whoa, the movie's just gone up like 10 points. Because that's my reaction to every time Steven Root's in a movie. Like, I remember John Goodman's in this. Like, it has a bunch mm. of character actors. Like, you know, like I just mentioned Breaking Bad. Anna Gunn is the mum there. She's also the wife Skylar in Breaking Bad. Uh, uh, Badger from Breaking Bad is a policeman in this, the one who gets shot in the stomach with a shotgun. Mm -hmm. The one with the voice, the one with the funny voice. He's like, hey, man, it's me. Like, that's how he talks. <laughs> but seeing Stephen Root, like, I remember all these other character actors, like Michael Parks, obviously, he's like the titular main person in the movie. Uh, but just seeing John Goodman pop up and then it's revealed he's getting a blowjob, like, oh man, I completely Steven forgot about Root. Stephen Root. Sorry, you Steven said John Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> John Goodman is also in the movie, people. He doesn't get a blowjob, not this movie. I reckon if I use my brain hard enough, I could figure out a movie where he does. Monsters, but... Inc. 
<laughs> no, that's Monsters University. <laughs> I've seen Monsters University. It doesn't happen. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen Monsters Inc. I have. So uh, then you can confirm it happened. Okay, good, good. Yeah. So yeah, Stephen Root's in this, and I was so happy. And then I I didn't uh, recognize him. Really? I didn't. For the whole movie? Yeah, until the credits. I'm like, wait, he was in this. How did you not? He was just so Stephen Root in this. He, he, like he's just incredibly he didn't look, Stephen. He Root. didn't look like his other characters. He, he his hair was a different color too. Uh, he's. I told you this when we watched the first time round over her dead body. I'm like this guy's in everything to the point in which you'll be like, he was in this because that's Stephen Root all the time. Like no, he's. I in, mean, I recognize he's in him in, No Country for Old Men, and people forget that. I recognized him in all the other things we did, but not in this. Wow, maybe because this movie's so darkly lit. Like, it looks like... And they had to make his hair darker, too, yeah. Yeah, so, um, Nick, important question. When you watched this, did you have two friends <laughs> who, who were really horny and you all agreed that you need to meet an uh, an older lady in the middle of nowhere and uh, have a... What was it called? Like, the devil's... Uh, they have a phrase for it, the devil's... The devil's threesome or the devil's yeah, foursome. Foursome, the devil's foursome. Devil's business. Devil's <laughs> business. Did you have the... Did you? Were you that kind of young man? You just really needed to hit the town, so you see? Well, true story is this movie actually turned me off uh, any dating site for at least a year and a half. Oh, good. <laughs> that's what Kevin wanted. And I also still don't have two friends. So, so, so that's a bit of a doubter. And he's like, I have three friends. <laughs> that's the difference. It's too much. And he said it's a downer. So. It's a downer. It's a downer. This movie makes you not want to have friends. <laughs> yeah. Friends or dating sites. But also they're on like some kind of real back pages website. Like I think yeah. it's back page or Craigslist. It was, like a lo- it was a local site, wasn't it? Well, no, it went to New York. <laughs> yeah. Local America. <laughs> Country. <laughs> National. <laughs> the thing is, if you respond to a Craigslist ad and you actually rock up, chances are you're going to get murdered. So I don't yeah. know why anyone would do That's it That's why still. you bring friends, which they did. <laughs> One of them's fucking huge. Yeah. Billy Ray. He's got two names. Billy Ray is so huge. He has two names, but no last name. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm just shocked that you didn't know this was Stephen Root. I'm just like, this is such a Stephen Root performance. Like when he trips over... Later on, I'm like, that's such well, a Stephen. And then you performance. Find out, then you just find out in the trivia, Stephen Root genuinely tripped over because he was genuinely afraid of John Goodman, who was his just, performance. His yeah. performance was so awe-inspiring <laughs> that he lost balance. This is a guy who's worked with every thing. legend in <laughs> cinema, basically. So this movie, just to give a brief plot summary for those who are listening and aren't familiar, this is. Basically, your typical kind of uh, it's like, it follows a similar trajectory to a lot of those um, torture porn kind of movies in yeah. terms of you have these unlikable characters, our three main characters are these teenage boys who are foul-mouthed, horny, mean-spirited assholes mm. who want to get laid, and the and then that that is actually a trap for them to get brutally and psychologically and physically tortured and killed mm. by in this movie a um supreme christian religious cult nutjob group yeah. who hate everyone <laughs> Everyone. And it's, uh, yeah, everyone because everything wrong with everyone else is somehow related to homosexuals. Uh, yeah, but I, here's the thing. We'll get into it during the conversation. But I actually did like that Kevin Smith put a real good amount of thought into how their, how their uh, 
church works. Mm. Like the ideology actually like makes sense. Like not in the it's, it's they're very like, clear cut uh, clear cut lawful evil. They have a code. Yeah, like like yeah, it's not yeah. just they're crazy for the sake of crazy. Like these yeah. people are clearly insane, but they're not like. <laughs> crazy like like everything they do has like some kind of logic to it that's yeah. spawned from hate and fear and the fear part is what really matters yeah, well, because, because, yeah, because that's their whole ideological have, standpoint is they have, fear of yeah, god they have genuine reactions to things like when the, one of them dies and they grieve over that so Bartek are you familiar with this character actress here Melissa Leo uh, I, I've, I watched the Oscars where she got the acceptance speech for I think she was in the fighter yeah, and she was in one of your favourite movies that you bring up on this podcast at least three times a year because you saw her in the cinema, Snowden. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> She's in Snowden. Okay. I was just looking around, I'm like, oh, Bartek's going to mention this, or he's completely forgotten. <laughs> I don't think I'd talk about Snowden that much. Fun fact, Bartek has talked about Snowden a lot on this show in comparison Have to I? any other movies other than... Eurotrip, right? Eurotrip. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that's the basic horror premise. Now, Nick and Bartek, are you guys fans of horror? Especially this kind of one where it has that promise of evil, like bad people getting just desserts kind of thing? Yeah. Um, to me, this movie felt a lot like a Resident Evil game. Uh, it starts off creepy and slow, and then all of a sudden it just, boom, straight into the narrow action. Okay. So that's, that's what I kind of got out of it. And I'm a huge horror fan, so like... Going back to Evil Dead's. Oh well, Evil Dead's are funny too, and this yeah. is also a funny movie. Like not to, not to detract from the comedy. Like it's not a, a comedy. It has some comedic moments, and the comedy for me, I don't know about you, but it comes from the way that Kevin Smith blatantly defies expectations of the genre. Mm. In ways of undercutting things, like, oh, you think this guy's going to live? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, this is really an anyone-can-die film. This is a movie where there's no main character. Mm. It, there are just characters. It feels like it feels like the, the main character stick gets passed around, but then overall, like, maybe you could argue John Goodman by But he doesn't end. arrive to, like, 50 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely at this point, the, the three main guys, you know, they're, they're losing their grip on the stick. So, so you like a bunch of horror movies, Nick? Like Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Uh, Evil Dead is over the top fun. But yeah. do you like these kind of dour ones? Yeah. So movies like Hostel, Hostel Two. Okay. Uh, so you really horror. you like your Eli Roth? Huh? Yeah, Eli Roth's okay until you hit which one was it? The Green, Green Inferno. Inferno where and then you're like, I'm done. Now, <laughs> I love Green Inferno. <laughs> It's the only one of Eli Roth's I like, because Vata Green Inferno is fucking hilarious. Right. Green Inferno, the premise of it is great. It's about these bunch of hippies that uh, are like, don't cut down the rainforest. These are full of beautiful creatures and, and beautiful people. <laughs> and then they tie themselves to trees, and the construction workers start getting attacked by the natives, who are cannibals. And they leave. And the people are still stuck to the trees. <laughs> and the cannibals are just like, fuck you. And it's just basically a story of these upper-class, rich, white, hippie douchebags getting what they deserve because they're doing it out of their own pride and ego more so. And I just love how fucking 
evil-spirited that movie is. It's the only one I like out of Eli Roth's. It but... seemed a bit like his love letter to Cannibal Holocaust. Of course, of no. course. <laughs> but I just love it. It's like, oh, look, these stupid hippies, they get what they deserve. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> fuck them. So I'm not into horror as much. I want to be. Like, I like certain horror movies. There are ones like The Thing, obviously, is a great one. I like stuff by, uh, you know... Um, you know, John Carpenter's kind of more horror-inflected stuff like Halloween, obviously, or, or your Cronenberg stuff like The Fly. But overall, not really. The most gruesome horror movie that I like is the the Australian movie The Loved Ones, which is that one where it's like that uh, these two teenagers are finishing up high school and it's like the girl who always dresses in pink and is always kind of creepy asks him for the school dance and he says no, so she just kidnaps him and makes him do it at her home with her creepy family it's such a great movie i love that movie but Bartek, what about you are you a big fan of horror any of that stuff um i got into um, i'm not like a super into horror but i hadn't really seen that many until like maybe 10 years ago mm. and then i started like you know occasionally watching one you know where, when the occasion arises um, I very much enjoy the types of horror films that fill its main characters with a sense of, like, despair. Like, in this one where, you know, it's completely undignified that these guys are being locked up and they're going to be killed and they have no choice but to wait for it. Like, yeah. it's, it's a very strong emotion that I like uh, when horror, you know, brings into it. I haven't seen as many of the slasher-type horrors, but yeah. Yeah, the first Friday the 13th was fun. Yeah. What are some examples of some other horror movies that you, you particularly enjoy, ones that you go, you know, that's a really good example of, of the genre that I like? What is one that I've seen? I, I guess I haven't seen too many. I was going to wait for you to give me a stupid answer. You're going to be like, Black Dude. Panther, man. It was horrifying. Dude, Euro, Euro trip when he didn't know how to pronounce the safe word. It was so scary. <laughs> <laughs> that movie holds up today. I love Eurotrip. Eurotrip. Big amazing. question though is: Does Road Trip, the first one, hold up today? Because Euro Trip's a sequel. What? It's a sequel. Yeah, there's Road Trip and Euro Trip. Does it have the same characters or something? No, but it's by the same writers and filmmakers. Oh, so it's a spiritual successor. But it's got the word trip in it, and it's basically <laughs> oh, the well, same course. thing. You know, but you know what I mean by that? Where it is. Technically, a sequel because the spiritual successor. That's that's yeah. literally what a spiritual successor is. But you is. know what I mean when I get tired of how we have to have fifteen different terminologies for what movies can be. It's like, oh, Alien Covenant. It's a sequel <laughs> reboot reimagining. It's a sequel. Like, can't it just be a fucking sequel or prequel? It's a prequel sequel reboot. It's a prequel. This just sequel in. Reboot. Ryan doesn't like language. <laughs> no, I don't like how stupidly complicated we've made these things because we have gotten to that point in cinema where we are reimagining and rebooting and sequelizing and prequelizing at the same time with one movie. It's just so absurd to me. Well, I feel like some of those are contradictory and if someone insists on them, there's something, you know, skeevy going on. Like a, a sequel and a reboot at the same time that it just doesn't yeah. seem right. Yeah. But spiritual successor just means, like, it's not related to the chronology of that universe, mm. but it's a similar work that follows its kind of tradition. So it's more in... in like a, the Cornetto trilogy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those can be spiritual successes, I suppose. Yeah. So Eurochips your pick for the scary your favorite horror movie, right? No, I'm also waiting for you to be like, actually Rachel, Ryan's fiance, it's Jersey Girl. That was so scary to me. Um The Tiki Terrors, Ryan. <laughs> 
The biggest complaint I have about this movie, I just want to get the negative out of the way right now, is there's one sequence, I've already gone past it, where I just don't understand what Kevin Smith's editing choice was. I don't know if you noticed this, but having not seen it before, I imagine, uh, you know, Nick has been like eight times round. It's all kind of, you know, it's all ingrained in me. But there's a sequence where Stephen Root's character asks Badger to go search for his car. Mm-hmm. And, it's a, and you see Badger getting out of his chair and then it's a quick jump cut and he's no longer in the room. And there's another jump cut and Stephen Root's sitting down in his desk. There's another jump cut. He grabs out a bottle of whiskey and then another jump cut and he starts crying. Another jump cut, a picture of his wife on the table. I'm like... Kevin, what are you doing here? <laughs> and then the movie like never that. does anything like that Has ever it already again. happened? It did happen. Ah, fuck, Ryan. Um, we're too busy talking about, about other horror, things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think I was too busy saying, Steve Roots in the movie. And you're like, yeah. Uh, but um, that's my only complaint. I just go, Kevin has a Kevin has a good editing style. Like in this movie, he, he has some interesting editing choices. I mean, we have the little aside to John Goodman. It gets a new time, like what the time is. It's like... Very pulp fictiony, and like in terms, of we're going to this location with these characters, and da da da. But like that moment, I just went, Kevin, why, why, why that? Why, why that? Other than that, I think the movie's a ten out of ten. That's that's just a pure fact. But Bartek and Nick, let's talk about the reason why the movie's a ten out of ten. <laughs> Michael Parks, what do we think of his performance in this movie? It is amazing. It is like watching a. Uh... Fred Phelps video straight off YouTube. Yeah. The leader of the West Road Baptist Church. Yeah. Didn't realize. It's but, insane. Yeah, it's scary. Scary, accurate, and he's just an amazing human being. Yeah. And the thing about this performance, too, is he, he knows when and when not to play it with that kind of cheese to it because mm. you have at the end of course when he's like shoot me shoot me and he's obviously as an actor leaning into the over the top nature of the performance as he does in this nearly 10 minute long sequence of just him talking he goes in and out of being deadly serious to a little bit of a wink and a nudge to the audience to he's playing up for charismatic confidence yeah he's he's just riding the the wave of of the different energies in this in this character and you rarely oh, see dude, that he's, he's the moon he's 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 making the law of the waves pretty much <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Bartek, what do you think of, think of him? Because obviously, we with Red State, it's his movie, basically. He owns this Pretty film. much. Like, all Kevin Smith talks about is, I wanted him to be nominated for, you know, Best Supporting Actor, and it didn't really happen. He should have. He should have, yeah. He should have. Who, who got nominated that year? 2011? I don't know, what won Best Picture that year? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? It wasn't Michael. And he, he rocks this whole sequence here. It is very terrifying. It is very much like watching a Fred Phelps video or or just, you know, one of the things that I think about too is not having been very religious grown, growing up. I obviously attended some Catholic ceremonies that you have to attend to do things in that life, but like mm. not regularly. But it reminds me of once or twice in my life I've accidentally wandered into people's religious ceremonies or things that I have no context for what it is and right. it's so alien and weird to me and this scene is that times 10 like like 
You are walking into this fucking weird congregation. We have no... Like, we've been told, but we don't fully have any real context of... <laughs> to be fair, you're, you're waking up caged in during... <laughs> yeah, no, so no, exactly, yeah. exactly. But, like, us, the movie-going audience, mm. understands what's been set well, yeah, up already the... with what they are about, but we are still in this universe, in this moment... Like we've walked in with no context. Yeah, still we, we of this should we should ceremony. we should point out for anyone uh, who's not watching the film along with us or hasn't seen it, the the scene begins with our one of our main characters for now being locked in a cage and there's like a you know cover over it so you, you don't know where he is. Like I thought for most of that part that he was in like the back of a truck or something and yeah, like yeah. it was moving, but then you find out where he is when of all things. A child. Like a four-year-old girl. A four-year-old girl. <laughs> Wasn't it a boy, actually? No, it's a little girl, a little blonde-haired girl. Okay. Um, I yeah, think... I don't think they have any young boys in this. No. Movie. Yeah. Anyway, uh, a child, you know, opens the covers and just looks at the guy, and he looks back, and it's like, what's going on? And the mother just kind of casually, but in a bit of a hurried uh, manner, you know, like, come back, come back, and they sit down on the pews, and it's like... Okay, that tells us right there that this is normal for them. <laughs> and the what? mother is, of course, the woman who seduced them Melissa in the first Leo, place. Yeah. And it's complete flip as well, because when we first meet her, she seems like this redneck, drunken, sad, pathetic hillbilly woman. But this, now she's like this ultra white collar, like, you're still redneck, but like yeah. prim proper lady. Yeah, like their casual nature there, their indifference to the fact that there's a guy caged inside a church during a, a mass of some sort, you know, it gives you this big what the fuck feeling. And that, that was very powerful. That is, that is very, very powerful. Now, Nick, being the red state expert, eight timer, <laughs> do you have a favorite moment in this movie? Like one that sticks out. I think the first time I heard the sirens, uh, well, the the <sighs> horns go off, that, that gave is, me chills. It's so good. Just because until you realise what was actually going on, I, I actually believed end times were near. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did too when I first watched it. I'm like, oh my god, it's going this direction now. <laughs> It's going this direction where it's actually going to end with the apocalypse, which was what he originally wanted as the ending, but yeah. it just didn't work out. But yeah, yeah. that I is d- such I had a, the same feeling, yeah. That is such a great, great yeah. sequence. It's it's actually terrifying. Yeah. And 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 when we find out later on the subversion <laughs> of what that actually was, I, that was hilarious. It was hilarious. I think it just increases the scene itself. Yeah, the thing that makes it funnier for me ten times more is that that sound effect was used <laughs> as a genuine sound effect for the genuine version of that scene in the film uh, Legion. Mm. That's like a trivia point. It's like that this horn sound effect was used for this exact real, the real version of this in the film Legion, and I found that makes it increasingly funny because in this movie that came out first, it's used as a piss take in the end, but in that movie, the other one, it's used as a genuine dramatic moment. <laughs> And it just shows you this, like how interesting you can uh, filmmakers can use these stock sounds to give different meanings and different kind of vibes. Because in the scene, when it's used later on, it is genuinely terrifying. But then the subversion, yeah. which we find out at the end, it just undercuts it <laughs> so much. <laughs> and the casual reveal of what it actually was, like yeah, it was just this, and yeah, it was so great. Um, yeah, it's. This is a very weird movie <laughs> for Kevin Smith to do. Mm. Nick, are you familiar with much of Kevin Smith's work yourself, other than this particular movie? Yeah, most of his Jersey uh, universe. 
Mm. You know, most of that. More rats. Love more rats. I do too. Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. And then <laughs> all of them, really. Except for Chasing Amy. Yeah, that's the one that people like the most. Yeah. Which like, is... that's the critical darling one. Yeah. But for some reason, it just didn't do it for me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Kevin Smith has always been a part. And I recently was watching Degrassi, The Next Generation. Okay. And yeah. uh, there was this the duo episode, Jay and Silent Bob do Degrassi, which Kevin Smith was actually in filming a movie. <laughs> of course. <laughs> he's, just, he's just putting his face I mean, everywhere. Hey, everyone was in Degrassi. Drake was from there. Yeah. Okay. That's where Drake came from. I caught some episodes growing up, but I never thought much of it. That's where little baby Drake existed. You know, Drake has this weird face already. <laughs> I think so. Well, imagine that, but like really young. <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. Excellent. So, so were you familiar with that stuff of Kevin Smith before or after having seen this movie? So it was before. Okay. So, what was it like for you? to see him do this kind of thing, this very Tarantino-esque, <laughs> uh, Eli Roth-esque type of thing. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was great, just because he departed from his normal, hey, let's rip some bongs and then do fart jokes for <laughs> most of the film. Yeah. <laughs> let's just murder some people. <laughs> yeah, let's let's have like a church sermon yeah. go on. Wasn't he um, quoted as saying something along the lines of um, he'd tried with a couple of his previous films to in quote, make a Kevin Smith film. So for this one, he tried making not a Kevin Smith film. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I I got tired of it because I I can make 15 Kevin Smith movies in my sleep and many said I have. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, he said he wanted to, because one of the things too that we should mention is our last episode was on the film Cop Out. Cop Out had drained him. He wanted to retire from filmmaking. This was his swan song originally. And his intent was to not make anything like he's made before, and to try and make all of the movies that he likes into one movie. So all the genres that he is into. So that's why this movie does have a very uh, vignette-type thing where it goes yeah. from this genre to this bit to this to this to this. But for me, that's one of the characteristics of the movie I quite like, is that very independent, rough-and-rugged, kind of like first-time filmmakers... Uh, a lot of people have even said, like, this has a, a very similar filmmaking style to, to Clerks, where it's like, first-time filmmakers want to get all of their stuff in there, and even if it's all rough and around the edges, and I can kind of understand that with this, you know? Like, it does have that very rough and raw yeah. kind of feel. And I've noticed that also a lot of people who liked this film compare it a lot to the works of Tarantino, who himself also put this as, like, one of his top films of 2011. Of course. Yeah. And it, well, it is... You can imagine Tarantino. Tarantino, of course, would love this. <laughs> <laughs> he would be off his chain about this. Well, right, I watched the video you sent me, and evidently, yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a great video online of um, Kevin Smith, uh, you know, remembering... Michael Parks, who unfortunately did pass away a little while ago. And 2017, I think it was. Yeah, so yeah. two years ago. And uh, one of the stories is just how him and Tarantino, you know, Smith, Parks and Tarantino went to Tarantino's place to watch Red State and just Tarantino's baked smoking <laughs> pot and he's like a very enthusiastic movie watcher. He'll just be sitting next and to Michael Parks. Michael Parks. He yeah. loves them and he just be like, <laughs> lean, lean over and shout... I see what you're doing there, Michael. Great, great. And then watch the movie again. Or even smoke a joint and be like, it's like this movie was made for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like kind of is. 
And um, that's a great video, a very emotional video too. But um, yeah, this movie is one of those movies, like Nightcrawler, for instance. It's one of those movies that really relies on the performance of an individual. Mm, like Night- Nightcrawler yeah. wouldn't be that interesting of a movie if it wasn't for Jake Gyllenhaal's performance, right? Yeah. This movie, when like this movie, the filmmaking is interesting in its own right, but it's Michael Park's performance. Like this scene here is great because he actually seems like a like. Like a semi-normal guy. Yeah. Like this is it's like a- we're not ta- we're not talking about homosexuals now, so I'm normal. Yeah. But it's a great performance of it's a double performance. It's uh, it's him, Michael Parks, playing the crazy guy, having to play normal, <laughs> and he's struggling because <laughs> there's yeah. just so many things where he just kind of lingers on things a little too long and just kind of smiles a bit yeah. and. He has, to, he has to think off his on his feet because he doesn't know about the car accident or anything, and he doesn't know that you know the evidence is right behind him. Yeah. So he has to yeah fast talk a bit. And he has one of my favorite little lines in this sequence. I don't know if it's one of yours, Nick, but it's like when uh, Badger from Breaking Bad is like, "I want to go to Italy." <laughs> uh, is there anything you you tell me about? It's like, well, it's full of Italians. He's <laughs> like. Well, you got me there. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know where he was going with that because I thought it was going to be some sort of like religious reference. I'm like, oh, is he going to complain about Vatican not being in Italy or something? <laughs> no, I think he was just, he's just racist because remember, yeah. it's all about America. Yeah, I know, yeah. But also, America's the worst place according to them as well. So <laughs> I just also love the little, little bit of Nugget joke there. The idea that they went to the Vatican to protest about the Pope having died <laughs> or the Pope, his, his existence himself. Yeah. Cause it would have been John Paul II. Yeah. Cause he was been. the last Pope to die mm. as yeah. Pope because Benedict retired. Well, Ryan, you have to remember this is in the world of Dickie Roberts. So it would just be the same year as Dickie Roberts. <laughs> oh, you're right. It's knocking farts. <laughs> what year was Dickie Roberts again? Uh, like 2004. Right. So he would have still been in like the tail end of his life. Yeah. Oh, well, no, actually it would have been John Paul still. Yeah. Yeah. John Paul II. Yeah. Part two. Yeah. <laughs> Part two, because <laughs> the first John Paul died like a few few months in, I think. I think you're, I think that's too much. I think he died much quicker than a few months in. Yeah, because the reason they John Paul II was a fun pope was he was young. Because the one before him, or several before him, died very quickly because they were like eighty years old. So they're like <laughs> they're qualified. They've been waiting it for it for a lifetime, and they're like, hello, and died. <laughs> you know, God had to give him the call. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think actually there was a a point about uh, John Paul II that he named himself after like a Pope John and a Pope Paul or something. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, this movie's got he's really nice. <laughs> like this is when he gets out of like he's talking to a crazy guy and he thinks like maybe you could give me advice. Yeah, this is that you thought that that was going to be the line where like he asks a hard question, but he actually asks a soft question. Yeah. Now well, that's comedy, I guess. Yeah. This here is a great little filmmaking revelation moment that these guys are also supreme gun nuts. <laughs> What's well, Red State, right? So. Exactly. <laughs> but did you know why he called it Red State? Why uh, Kevin, Kevin Smith? Smith called it? So, Nick, Kevin Smith was asked the probative question, like, like many great filmmakers, critics like ourselves think they're geniuses more than they actually are. A filmmaker was like, a, a critic was like asking him like, so you called a red state because of this, this, and this, and all the political in- inclinations, all this. And Kevin's like, nah, man, nah, nah. If you want the truth, the real embarrassing part was I, was make, I thought, I'm making a horror movie. And I thought, 
Bloody State would be too stupid of a name, so I went with Red, because Red's the color of blood. And I just thought, <laughs> that's awesome. And I'm just like... Yep. So that trivia point that's talking about, like, actually, this film was filmed in California, which is a very blue state. Probably was, you know, didn't have as much uh, nuance to it. You know what I think the reason is you didn't know who Stephen Root was? It's because he has a mustache. Well, I did mention his hair was throwing me off. And mustache yeah, yeah, kind of hair. Oh, yeah, facial It's hair. a spiritual successor to hair. Really. <laughs> <laughs> he has a mustache. That's what's going off. You're like, maybe, yeah. I haven't seen him with a mustache yet. I don't think we have. I think he's either had like a full beard or goatee or clean shaven, no mustache. Yeah, that's probably right. So that's that's definitely right. So, Nick, on your show, you cover the pop cultures. Obviously, Kevin Smith also covers the pop culture. <laughs> um, so you guys are like competitors against each other in the podcast world? Is he, is he like your number one nemesis? Yeah, we're pretty much neck and neck at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> with downloads, but um, we'll get there soon. Yeah, yeah. What kind of topics have you had recently? Uh, last episode was talking about the ridiculous plots of video games. Okay. Uh, and we went into a bit of, you know, like Need for Speed. The game literally is solving crimes and being an undercover cop by driving really fast. Was that, <laughs> to did, different is areas. that the one you both agreed was the most ridiculous one? No, I think we both agreed Blast Corps on the Nintendo 64 was the most ridiculous game ever. Have you heard of that one, Bartek? you guys have played it. I- I've heard the title. I don't know anything about it. I'm not familiar with the Nintendo game. (laughs) So basically, you are a deconstruction crew, and scientists working on the most powerful nuclear warhead ever designed fell out of the truck that it was driving and transporting in, and it's now driving really slowly through different cities. Okay. And you need to destroy everything in its path, because if it touches something, (laughs) it will explode. But what's the point if... And that's it. <laughs> that's a great one. Did you guys talk about Suda 5 1 in any way? Yeah, well, actually, a couple of episodes ago, I was sick, and uh, one of my mates, Nick, filled in, and they were discussing Travis Strikes again, okay. Suda 5 1, and all his, like, when he hit his low point with his, yeah. like, lollipop chainsaw and all that, <laughs> that other stuff. Cause so he's no, no flower, sun, it, and it's, rain? It's <laughs> weird because Lollipop Chainsaw <laughs> is the only one I've played of his games, and Not I really. enjoyed myself. <laughs> I thoroughly guess, enjoyed yeah. myself. I've played, played a couple of them. I haven't played Chainsaw though. Yeah, that's fair. But like, if you go back to like, what was it? The other one, the first one, Travis's first one. Yeah, yeah. No more heroes. Back. No more heroes. One of my favorites. Stupid head. <laughs> yeah, that was such a like a passion game. Oh that he yeah. Made. And then the second one is like, nah, I got money. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, that, that's what happens. Just the gameplay improved. That's what yeah. happens. Uh, Bartek, what's your most ridiculous video game plot? Mine's <laughs> Tumbi 2. <laughs> Tumbi 2. <laughs> Do you remember Tumbi 2? No. Tumbi or Tumbi is... Is that the caveman? I don't think he's a caveman. <laughs> he's this little wild boy with pink hair who has to fight... That's what I meant, yeah. ...demonic pigs <laughs> that have controlled the planet. It's one of those games where it has, like, a different name in different places. Mm. Here in Australia, when I had it on PS1, it was Tumbi 2. And I never could find Tumbi 1. <laughs> but the game <laughs> assumes you know the events of Tumbi 1. Right. Rightfully so. And just automatically starts. Like, here you go. So that's my pick. Bartek, you've played a lot of ridiculous games in your life. I mean, I just said Flower, Sun and Rain. (laughs) But in a good or bad way, though? Because Tumbi 2 is a good way it's ridiculous. This is the game I told you about last year, Ryan, where I went to a video of the soundtrack and the top comment was like, this is the weirdest game I've ever played. The gameplay's awful, the music is great. Like, listing every (laughs) element of it, it's like saying this is the worst and this is the best. (laughs) Excellent. 
But did you love it? I loved it. It was, it was great. <laughs> I wish I could lend it to you, but you don't have a DS or 3DS. I'm soz. See, that's the thing about this movie, though. A lot of people have that kind of reaction to it. There are a lot of people who find that... I actually looked up, when I was looking up Kevin Smith videos, there was people who were genuinely like, I mean, Red State wasn't that good of a movie. This is one comment. It was like, Red State wasn't that good of a movie. It was a bit rough around the edges. Could have blah, blah. But it was an incredibly great movie, and I loved it. <laughs> and I'm like, pick one. Flower, Sun, and Rain, the movie. Like, that is it. Like, you know, this movie is quite divisive, especially to see a comedy director known especially for comedy doing such a sharp turn into the horror genre. But, like, I mean, the whole experiment of this is you weren't familiar with Kevin Smith movies, really. Mm. You haven't really seen any. And we've been doing the dark period of his career where he was kind of doing back and forth, back and forth on what he usually did. So yeah. Jersey Girl wasn't something like it was a bit more serious and corporate and romantic-y and stuff that my fiance yeah, loves. Heartwarming stuff, yeah. And then he'll do Zack and Mary McPorner, which is kind of more in his lane, but then he'll do a cop-out, which is kind of not in his lane. And yeah, more just directing. And then this. So what is it like for you to go through the roller coaster ride <laughs> of the ups and downs and the twists and turns of... And as a runner, I did watch Clerks the other day. So yeah, so, I have so a bit more. you have the yardstick now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, definitely it's been a journey that I've enjoyed. Uh, I, I can definitely say that I like Kevin Smith now. He's, I mean, I've seen the videos of him talking about certain topics like John Peters uh, in the past because you've told me about them. Um, and, and definitely I've had a hard time nailing down like what his, what his main uh, trademarks are. Like every film he has like a a superhero reference. Like yeah. I think in this film it's uh, Alan Parks's character's name is similar to a Green Lantern character's yeah, name. Yeah, Michael Parks's character's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Aben. Was it Aben Cooper? Cooper. I was gonna say yeah, because Cooper's farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I keep mentioning that. Yeah, it, it's been, it's been a hard time nailing down what his his trademarks are, and I I'm still not entirely sure I've got them. But the films I've watched, I've really enjoyed, and I'm definitely going to check out some of his other ones now. Like, I think... Dogma, you got to do Dogma. I was about to say, yeah, Dogma's a big one that I've heard a lot about, and Liam, our guest for Zack and Mary Make a Porno, made a point about how good that one was. Yeah, I like More Rats as well. It has Michael Rooker in it, and he's great. <laughs> this was probably one of the smartest bits in the whole entire movie. Yeah, it was a thing of, like, hold on, there was only one of them there. <laughs> and then when the camera was panning back, I'm like, ah. Yeah, see... I remember when I first watched it, I knew that that's what it was going to be because America, no offense, America, is incredibly fucked in terms <laughs> when it comes to mass shootings to the point in which um, they teach or have like little brochures of when someone's doing mass shootings and someone dies next to you, rub their blood on your face and pretend to be dead because the shooter will think they also shot you. Mm. And that's when I saw that sequence. And I'm like, yep, that's just America. Of course, of course, like, you know, yeah, of course, that would be what the natural response to this would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here in Australia, it would be like, I don't know, man, a guy's got a gun. But uh, yeah, that, that sequence there was one of the big ones where I really understood, like, just the type of evil that they were when I said earlier, the lawful evil. Mm. Um, you know, they were very upset over the fact that the, the husband died, but Michael Parks was able to genuinely calm her down by, you know, explaining 
look, this is what he did. He has furthered our cause. This is something to celebrate. Like yeah. that, that was a really strong moment for that, me. That and, you know, we're going to kill them. <laughs> we're going to kill this well, guy. I mean, that was established like 10 minutes ago when they killed <laughs> yeah. the guy, but yes. I did like the little touch that they cut themselves free by using the bone of the guy. Like, well, I was like, I hope that we have a friendship that's strong, that, mm. that if we were, like, taped together back to back, you would lean back so I could cut us free. That's what I'm saying. I mean, but I hope I- our friendship's better than me just leaving <laughs> you there. <laughs> like, you leaving me there. Yeah. To to fend for on, myself and then on I that, have to pretend to be dead next to well, you Ryan, and you on, die. On that, on that first point about the leaning back, if at the time I feel like living still, I think I'll do it. <laughs> I just want to give a one other positive thing to this. Many positives I should give, but one thing is John Goodman's such a professional. One thing that a lot of people don't notice, the average movie-going people, but I notice as an actor is what you call phone acting mm. when not when actors phone it in <coughs> Bruce Willis and cop out but like <laughs> uh him he's talking on the phone John Goodman makes me genuinely believe someone else is on the other end of that phone like it's not just that he's waiting long enough to respond but he's going through a whole state of re- reactions and emotions he as is the wife reacting mm. and like a lot of movies just kind of you know, be sloppy on that or or they use the trick of you hear the other person on the phone so you kind of get distracted and you're not really looking at the person reacting or, or they do like... or they do what I think is most common where they have the one person you hear <laughs> yeah, but yeah. they have to set their dialogue in such a way that you know what they're saying it's like you want me to go to the da 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 and da da <laughs> or the other one which is they answer the phone yes hello Wait a moment, you want me? And they list like a five minute spiel of everything they wanted. Like the person must have said like one sentence. Like, I, I, was, I can't remember what it was from, but I remember there was one where like a phone was ringing, guy answers and he's like, yes, what? And like no, no like room for punctuation or anything like that. That sounds like something like Samurai Cop <laughs> or Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. I was place. thinking, was, what was it? Was it Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? It's Garth Marenghi's Dark Place where Dean Loder grabs the phone and he's like, yeah. Yes. Hello. What's this? And then he slams the phone, and then he grabs it again and goes, "Bye." And I, th- I think it was. Dean, I think it was Dean. Like, yeah. um, but obviously, that one's like you know purposely bad. So yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> I like Samurai Cop, which was a masterclass of of, of cinema. I just want to say when we watched it, got him. I I didn't know about Samurai Cop, and I was asking Ryan like, "Oh, so is this actually like set in Japan or something?" <laughs> <laughs> no, you also asked me, oh, is this one of those movies that's meant to be, like, bad? And I'm like, no. Because <laughs> he was, like, watching one of those, like, Robert... Well, Robert we were having and... a bad movie night, so yeah. Yeah, but that one, it was just, like, that music's, like, from an 80s video game. <laughs> and it's stuff, like, got him! <laughs> <laughs> now, this here is such a great little sequence of events, because... The whole thing about this movie is, like I said, it's subverting our expectations. So we have our three main characters. Usually in a movie, you you usually have one of them is our hero. The other two get picked off. This guy is our hero because he's the one we've been introduced to from the very beginning. Yeah. Here he is getting his revenge, you know, planning what he's going to do. And it all leads to him being like, ah, fuck it. And <laughs> running. And running outside and then getting killed. And you're like, whoa, they shot him. But then it's like, oh, the double twist. It was Steven Root's character, the policeman <laughs> yeah. that shot him because he was running with like a gun. 
And it's like all these subversions of expectations. And it's like, again... Yeah, it's like... A f- oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you. I don't know if you know this, but it's like Billy Ray died. And one of the reasons yes. I feel in terms of the psychology of the movie is he left his friend to die and then he died. Mm. This guy does the exact same thing. He leaves his friend to die, then he dies. And then our main boy here, the one that gets to live... He dies because he 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 leaves all the children to die, yeah. <laughs> and it's like God's punishing them on some level. I guess with this guy here, I did have this idea in my head of like, oh well, he's still got the assault rifle, so when they chase him, he can mow them down, kind of. But then he didn't end up doing that. <laughs> no, but this is an awesome film sequence here. It's like very yeah. manic and rushed, justified shaky cam. Yeah, you wouldn't think the guy who did Jersey Girl would film this scene. No. Can you imagine this scene in Jersey Girl? <laughs> Where Ben Affleck's like, my wife is dead! <laughs> Through the hospital. Just runs around the camera chasing them. <laughs> that would be the George best. George Carlin has a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's that scene in which he, he, he can't get to the school on time at the end. This, that's when you use this kind of film thing. He's like, I gotta make it so I can be a Sweetie Todd. Yes. Yeah, so, so when, um, yeah, when he was shot there, Initially, I thought, like, oh, there was someone in, like, an upstairs room sniping him down. But then, no, that didn't happen. But then the next shot that gets fired is someone in an upstairs room sniping. Yeah. yeah. So that's Sorry. another little subversion. This is the moment where Stephen Root was so taken aback by John Goodman's acting that he literally tripped over. I think a part of it is that John Goodman, too, yeah. John Goodman literally grabbed him by the ear and dragged him over. <laughs> And I don't know if that's scripted or John you know, Goodman's like that no, kind Ryan. of guy where he's like, I'm going to do this. Look. <laughs> you know, Ryan, Ryan, if he lived, he was going to take him to a chalkboard and make him like stick his nose in it for like five minutes. I love the idea that John Goodman would take Stephen Root to this place. It's like, okay, here we go. And he's like, he does that, but then just teaches him how to be a human. It's like, ABC's. How to be a human. <laughs> he's like, you're, I gotta read. Uh, just to briefly mention, Kevin Pollock's back. He was in uh, Cop Out. He was one of the good cops. All right. And in this movie, he's back as a cop and he dies. He's an agent. He, he gets <laughs> shot in the face and his skull bone gets lodged in John Goodman's leg, which is a fun thing to have happen to you. What do you think of that, Nick? Yeah, do you, uh, do you want some skull bone in your leg? <laughs> maybe next week. <laughs> next week when Kevin Smith plants his yeah. when him and Kevin Smith do their podcast crossover event where they're like aha finally we are no longer competitors but allies against a- affable, the true enemy affable rivals against our true pop culture enemy the shaken not nerd the other podcast the sequel to our rivalry yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah Nick having to go back into the world of Red State. Um, what did you think of all the, you know, religious stuff that Kevin is covering in this? Because this is something he does go back to time and time again. Like Dogma, he covers religion, and yeah. in this he covers religion. What did you think of that? And are you religious yourself, or have been religious? No, never. Never been religious, but lucky, lucky. I can see where he's coming from with everything. He's playing stereotypes to their absolute extremes mm. and there's also a hint of the Waco siege well actually most of it is yeah. the Waco siege in it so you can see where he's plucking everything from but at the same time being like you know what fuck it it's just going to be amazing like yeah. we're just going to do this but on 11 yeah and the thing too is this movie has no good guy because John Goodman is a terrible person in this movie like yeah. as we're discovering here 
he is going to follow through on the orders of murdering everyone, which does have a great comedic payoff later on in the movie when he asks why that was an order, which is a great comedic comedic <laughs> payoff. Basically, the answer being, fuck them. <laughs> they deserve to die. People like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like that the fact that this movie is unapologetically mean-spirited towards its uh, characters. Like, John Goodman's the nice person but he does horrible things in this movie or or allows horrible things to proceed in the name of uh hopefully not getting fired you know following orders basically for the reputation of his unit too yeah Yeah. and in the end he gets promoted (laughs) which is nice (laughs) but Bartek what do you think about that though like John Goodman does enter into the movie halfway through we usually associate John Goodman as a good guy in a lot of movies. I mean, he does play bad guys a Evan lot Almighty, too. Almighty, yeah. He was bad guy in that, yeah. Mm. Twist. But, and, you know, he's usually a good guy or bad guy, depending which Coen Brothers movie he's in. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but what did you think of John Goodman's character and yeah, what when... he had to deal with and what he had to deliver in, onto the movie? Because he does, he is the character that proceeds to make the major shift into what the movie is. He's essentially the main character once he enters the point. Especially at this point where the initial main character is dead. Yeah. Like, he reacts to that guy's death and he inherits the title. He inherits the stick, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the stick. Yeah, when he, when he first appeared, he, like, woke out, up, uh, he woke up out of bed and it was dark. And I'm like, I can't see this guy, but this sounds like John Goodman's voice. And I was very happy when it was John Goodman. Yeah, you were sitting there, it's like, Sully? <laughs> is that you? I you quit the scaring business, but now you're back in a horror film. Oh my god, this movie is definitely in the Dickie Roberts universe because David Spade and John Goodman were in the Emperor's New Groove together. <laughs> oh my god, it's all so, connected. So is it in that universe as well? Well, obviously, this is a Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs> this indie film. That's by Lionsgate and not <laughs> at least Fox or someone that's been consumed. I, I Oh my God, it's all connecting together. I, you know who really wrote the script? David Spade. He was sitting there being like, Kevin, use your name on this. I don't want people to associate me. Be like, David Spade wrote a horror movie and he incorporated Dickie Roberts into it all. And Kevin's like, well, man, I just did cop out. I don't want to cop things out for that. It's like, no, no, man. It's kind of like Trombo. When uh, Trombo was blacklisted from Hollywood and yet he wrote uh, like best picture winning movies but couldn't use his own name because he was blacklisted as a communist. Mm. That's David Spade. He's basically a communist, is what I'm saying, at the end of the day. <laughs> well, this film is called Red State. <laughs> Red State. Um, this scene's great. Yeah. The, the cinematography, there's a horse. There's two. There were things on four <coughs> legs. There are. And John Goodman's one of them. No, He's actually got four legs and two arms. When he's picking up a coin, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> when he's picking up a coin. Yeah. Um, I did like that, you know, we do have the conflict of interest here, uh, but in the end, you know, this guy follows through on the orders, and, um, I can't, I do believe it's him who kills our last main character, right? He's the one who walks up and shoots the girl and the boy. Yeah, it's the guy that is always with John Goodman, basically. Except for when it was Kevin Pollock. <laughs> so this guy prom- got the Kevin Pollock stick? And yeah. was like, haha, it's me now. The side stick. If this guy was played by Adam Brody, and it was their characters from Cop Out, 
it would be great. Like, they got promoted to, um, what were these guys again? They were like, um, they were ATF? The ATF, which stands for. A uh, thing, fucker. Alcohol, <laughs> firearms, and tobacco. Well, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Is that really what it stands for? Yeah. Oh, excellent. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Artillery <laughs> trench fire. <laughs> that actually kind of makes sense. Fresh from 1914. Yeah, they're they're the World War One police. They're, they're fighting. They're fighting against Kaiser Wilhelm. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, hey, Baron, get out of here. <laughs> it's Christmas. Let's not fight. Yeah, it's Kaiser Wilhelm. Yeah, yeah. Um, this film also would make sense if it took place in the same universe as Dan Aykroyd's Nothing But Trouble. <laughs> you know, like crazy family that are secluded and mm. own a property of land where they torture people. And, well, Dan Aykroyd was in a film called Coneheads with David Spade. <laughs> oh, my God. It's all connecting like a fine web. All the I was of the puzzle. I was distracted during that horse sequence, though, where um, the guy who's like, I don't want to kill people, a fly landed on his face. And I'm like, <laughs> get that fly out of here. I know it makes sense because they're standing next to horses. And they, 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 they attract flies because they smell. Yeah. I grew up next to a race course. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister and I would break into the race course. We would just jump over the fence and, uh, and, 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 and pat the horses. And they're greasy. Did you know this about horses? I think so, yeah. Like, if you pat a horse, sometimes your hand will be covered in, like, slimy grease. Right, and you're we- like... Why? If we're talking about horses and flies, do I even have to mention that David Spade played a fly in a film that had horse racing? <laughs> you mean racing stripes? Yes. It's all connected. Frankie Muniz would have been in this movie <laughs> as this girl. Okay, can I bring up a second negative? This is my last negative. I don't, I don't know if you noticed this. If you noticed this, Nick, there's a sequence later where she's saying to our last remaining guy... There's babies, I want to save them. Every single line, in between each line, she breathed funny. And it was really annoying to me. Mm. She was like, we've got to save the babies. (gasps) I mean, we've just got to. They're up there, they're going to (gasps) die. And I'm like, darling, it's okay. I understand you're terrified, but someone needs to get you an inhaler? A puffer of some kind? You have clearly got a concave chest. Something's going on. You're you're telling her to you know treat her panic attack in the middle of this you know shootout. But it was annoying to my ears, Barzak. <laughs> oh, fair enough. If you have a panic attack, well, whoa, that's the thing. The guy strapped to the cross did have a panic attack during that, yeah. like, and and they didn't mm. know because they thought he was acting. <laughs> it's, oh, really? It's well. like when um, it's like when Vigo Mortensen Mortensen kicked a uh, a. Uh, uh, um, helmet in Lord of the Rings and broke his foot, <laughs> and he and he and he sat down and screamed and cried, and they kept it in the movie because they thought he was just acting so well. Because it's a very emotional scene, but in fact, it's because he broke every bone in his foot. Well, speaking of crying and leaving it in the film, go on. This film, yeah, go on. A child for real reacts to acting by crying and screaming. <laughs> yeah, and Kevin Smith left it in. And he gave the parent of that child money to buy them a toy. No. What, a toy, pa- what toy do you think they bought? 
Red Deutsch, Red Red State Doll of Michael Parks, <laughs> where you where you pull the string and he gives you a ten minute sermon. <laughs> Red State Doll of her screaming and crying. <laughs> no, I always think of The Simpsons where it's the Malibu Stacy. It's like my one sounds funny, and she pulls it and it's the Spider Man. My Spidey senses are tingling. Mary Jane is in trouble. <laughs> it's just like something's wrong with mine. <laughs> That's what I would think of every time when it's a doll pulling thing. Or all planes, trains, and automobiles, where Steve Martin's giving him the big like tear down speech, where it's just like you're like one of those doors where you pull the string and you're talking, except for you're pulling the string on yourself. And he does the <laughs> miming of me pulling the string all the time. Like, and here's the thing. Next time you tell an antidote, antidote have a point. <laughs> it makes it so much easier for the listener. Oh, God, that's one of the best movie speeches of all time. Then followed up by the best movie speeches of all time by John Goodman. So they, I mean, by John Candy. There's too many Johns. <sighs> It's like it's a common name or something. <laughs> Why isn't there Bartek a good man? <laughs> so we're I mean, le- I am, but... So we're leading up to the scene in which she breathes funny, and it annoyed me. And I'm sorry <laughs> to point that out. She, you know, She's a young actress. Sometimes it's hard to breathe. Well, Ryan, Nick and I will listen out for it, and if we don't hear it, we'll, we'll shun you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, she's probably a product of inbreeding, knowing this family. That weak is... Weak lungs. That is true. They did say earlier on that it was hard to infiltrate them because they are all related or married into, so you couldn't just mm. have a person infiltrate them like other religious cults that they do. Yeah. Well, there's not many people between the ages. They're either old or they're really young. There's yeah. no in-betweens. There's no teenagers. She's the in-between. Of, yeah, and she, uh, there's only one and it's a female. God knows what happened to all the men that were born. Mm. Mm. I like that there's so much thought put into the 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 church itself like the the set design like the the they're shooting in the top room and you notice in the background they have like the posters and it's like that room looks like where they make their hate-filled <laughs> posters and it's like yeah yeah or I I, I don't know if you you got the chance but uh there's a great video online of Kevin Smith interviewing or having at a panel discussion uh, two former members of the uh, Westboro. Oh, I've read Church. the trivia of this. Was that actually recorded? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Okay. It's like a, a, it's cut down, but it's like a 15 minute long video. Okay. And yeah. they were like shocked by how accurate it was, mm, and like I read about one that. of the things that they found eerily scary was the attention to detail of the set, like on the piano, how it has like the kids' drawings and paintings <laughs> on it, and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a place where they would be like fuck gays and all that, like and this all this cute. Or the thing that one of them found very haunting was in the background they had those like um those I guess easels with the like uh, different kind of posters or pamphlets on it that were like in the background of his sermon is like oh yeah yeah they would have those and every every sermon there would be a new one on there that's filled with some kind of hate and we never knew where they came from and that kind of thing like <laughs> someone would make them and they would just okay. appear were they, the, were they family members by any chance or was it just a congregation of different people uh, I think they were like one of them was a Phelps okay so uh, yeah watch that it's on YouTube it's, it's quite fun Kevin Smith is blown away and one of the things that one of them the guys like yeah I, I watched Clerks too. that's my first movie I saw of yours it's like whoa did you see in the cinema and he goes no and the Kevin's was like fuck <laughs> <laughs> 
I wish someone did. But then, like, he's like, but I imagine you didn't get to go out of the congregation a lot to go to the movies to see <laughs> Clerks too. It's like, no, no, but I had DVDs, all the DVDs in the world. There's a lot of them were your movies. It's like, really? <laughs> it was Bird's Church. It's like, yeah. And that's an interesting video. They kind of talk a little bit how, how that church makes money. Mm. Which is basically each individual gets a high-paying job and pays for everything themselves. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it's like at the Westboro Baptist Church as well, because uh, Louis Thoreau's documentary is the most hated family in America. One answer, yeah, you get to see, it, and it does look very eerily similar. Yeah, the two that I'm talking about it in that documentary, the Louis Are Thoreau. They good? What the Louis Thoreau documentary? Yeah. Oh, they're oh yeah, they're great. Uh, I didn't, I, I didn't like his most recent one, which was a Scientology one, because unfortunately. He was too late to the punch on that, where it's like he couldn't get any interviews with any Scientology people, really. So he had to kind of get interviews of interviews and, and reenact things a little too much. But Louis Thoreau is great. You should check his stuff out. Like, All right, I will. Uh, I would recommend the West Barrow, you know, the, the Baptist Church ones. Those are really good. He's always a bit snarky, too. Like, <laughs> like the way he pisses them off is by genuinely coming across as naive. <laughs> like, that's... I, saw, I saw a video a couple of weeks ago. It, was, um, it wasn't one of his films. It Michael... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I saw him do it and I just had to do it. Sorry. Uh, Michael Moore for some TV show did a piece where... <laughs> you're now watching it, right? You, you, we're now looking at a... We're watching her breathing doing it. So you're saying so Michael Moore... So it's noticeable Moore, if you're watching Yeah, if you you can see her, just her body I react. thought you were doing an imitation of Michael Moore when he started Oh, sorry, down. sorry. <laughs> Another man who just can't breathe for shit. <laughs> I can't breathe for shit. <laughs> um, he, he did a piece for some TV show where like he followed around Fred Phelps and the Westboro Baptist Church to funerals that they were picketing. And he had a bus full of gay people acting as flamboyant as they can. Yeah. You know, just like surrounding them and making them leave just by making them uncomfortable. Well, that's <laughs> what happened with Kevin Smith on a level where he had protesters come to the movie. So he got all of his fans to come along and protest their protest. And it, mm. that, that dwarfed them so much that they kind of <laughs> just left. He also, um, he also invited the Westboro Baptist Church members to see the films and they brought their children and they walked yeah. out like 20 minutes in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's like that. Like with Dogma, I've said this before, he had major protests about that because that movie mm. deals oh, that's, with that's a lot of religious thing... stuff and it's like the, the portal is in an abortion clinic and yeah. it's, it's a lot that, of crazy stuff. <laughs> that and news report is basically the first thing I've ever seen of Kevin Smith. Oh, where yeah. he's at his own protest of his movie yeah. pretending to be he's like yeah I've heard that guy's demonic <laughs> it's like what bad things you, what, what have you heard about this film I don't know but they're all bad <laughs> that was perfect uh, now this scene is really great because the thing about this movie is there's a lot of religious stuff the ideology of the church is really well thought out the thing about it is it's it's all propagated on fear and the thing is in a lot of movies that would be like a subliminal thing where they're like, yeah, these guys are prejudiced because deep down they're fearful of things that are different. But this movie, you could say, oh, this is heavy-handed, but no, it's done really well. My Michael Parks gives in his sermon that the ideology that they that they have is not love God, but fear God. Mm. And that's the kind of standpoint that they have, and they are driven by fear in everything. 
And that's what's so great about this and this sequence here where she she's so fearful, but she's also trying to become her own person and she kills her own mum, which is very biblical. I've always found that weird, the whole, you know, you have to be a God-fearing folk or anything like that. It's... For me, I think it's a very American sensibility. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you, you've grown up a little bit more Catholic than I have, yeah. I would say. You've attended more things. Definitely. When and I... Catholicism isn't afraid of fire and brimstone kind of standpoints uh, not, on certain things. Not in my experience, but definitely. I've heard that but when I was saying right there like the God-fearing I almost said American at the end so <laughs> definitely God-fearing American is you know a, a phrase that's thrown around a bit yeah and I just think it's really interesting that this movie you know called Red State even though Kevin Smith's like oh, blood state it's mm. too stupid but like there obviously is some political stuff looking at it in retrospect. Yeah, like red as in the the dem, uh, not the Democrats, the other ones, the Republicans. Republicans, <laughs> yeah. but also looking at like this movie's propagated on the idea that these are fearful, insane, redneck Southerners who are fueled by hate from bigotry, and of course, it's a fun movie to watch in a world of Trump being president and how people like these people helped elevate him <laughs> into the position that he is in now and now uh, you know i don't care it's yeah. true <laughs> I, yeah michael pox even has that line where he's like and now the bible does teach us you know thou shalt not kill but then he just comes up with the justification for it yeah 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 he does yeah he does <laughs> and i love like how they all start to die like this chick <laughs> can i tell you a bible uh, a church story mm-hmm. so so i was um uh, doing volunteer work for this organization that was raising money for like the floods that happened in like uh, Papua New Guinea or, or well, no, yeah, in Samoa, sorry. And uh, mm-hmm. I went on my first day there and it was in this compound, this church, and that was part of the work. We had to restore this old church. In the middle of like, uh, like in the middle of Melbourne suburbia, there's just this old dank church and this walled off compound with all these decrepit little buildings. And it was like a maze to try and find where I had to go. And I and I couldn't find anyone, but I followed some people. And I went, oh, these people might be leading me to where I went. And I followed them, and they went into this church, like this homemade little put-together... Not the actual church, because the actual church was too decrepit. So there's like a little homemade one out of this other little room. And it was just a bunch of these, like, uh, white people, Samoans, Aboriginals, you know, some New Zealanders, South Africans. All of these people together doing church morning church like a mess and i had no context i was there like okay and i couldn't say anything to anyone because they were all fully in so i sat there and it was a guy sitting on stage playing a guitar Mm -hmm. and i sat there for 20 minutes until i left because i realized i just couldn't do it anymore this guy was just singing the same verse over and over again (laughs) And I really wish I could tell you what it was, but I blocked it out of my memory. It was just the same line. Jesus is something, something. Like, it's blank in my mind. And to the point in which all the words lost meaning to me. Like, you know, if you keep saying a certain thing again and again. But the thing about it was, it was surreal. It was surreal. Like, I'm looking around and I'm looking at all these different people from different cultures joined together in this weird little church group. There's, like, this elderly... Uh, South African man 
getting up from his chair, <laughs> waving his hands in the air, then sitting down, going, praise him, praise him, praise him. <laughs> <laughs> and then getting up again, waving his hands, then doing that again and again and again. And then a bunch of Samoan women, like four or five of them, all holding hands, chanting in Latin. Mm-hmm. In Latin. <laughs> like, that's the thing I couldn't get over. And then, and then behind me, a sensible young man similar to my own age, sitting there in a full suit and tie, mm-hmm. looking at his watch. <laughs> <laughs> but then you, I go, oh, this guy's got it. This guy's with me. Then every now and then he'll stand up and be like, praise him. And I'm like, and then he'll sit back down and then look at his watch again. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> the one the guy I thought was sane. He's working on his timing. He's working on his timing. <laughs> now you know he, they were acting Ryan. And, he and was it was good. just again and again, there's other people there. There was like this old lady who was uh, play, like stacking dominoes on the floor. On the floor? On the floor. She was sitting on the floor playing with dominoes. And when I left, I had to look at the dominoes. So I couldn't see them. I was in the back. I looked at him. She was spelling out Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) With dominoes. Of course. What else? And um, this was my experience. So when I watched this movie, I'm like, oh, these people are sane. (laughs) (laughs) Little did you know, Ryan, they were doing their daily ritual, hoping that the the prophesized Ryan would visit them one day. (laughs) Praise him! Praise but him. you left before they could realise it happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I found out the people that I was supposed to be there for weren't there that day, and then I got to go home. Uh, <laughs> my weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was pissing down rain, and it was, like, so weird. <laughs> yeah. You got one? Not really. Like, I, I was just going to say that there was one time in a mess where I accidentally laughed, and I, I just left because I was a bit embarrassed. <laughs> they were like, and Jesus died for our sins. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. To be fair, what happened was um, it's like coneheads when when uh, when she's reading the Bible and she's just giggling and laughing hysterically at it. That was you. No, no, no. What was happening was there were people not on stage, but up where the priest was. They were reading out their parts. They were basically acting, sort of reading out the parts. One of them had this tone of voice that was just like she was on the verge of tears. Yeah, like with everyone, she was like. I told him to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was the only one who, like, was, like, reacting to this. I was like, oh, my God. I'm... Was your mum there? Yes. And she looked at you and you laughed and was like, you better leave. No, 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 no. I was holding it back. <laughs> Eventually, she said something and I just couldn't imagine. <laughs> and everyone looked at me. I'm like, oh. And then I just got up as if, like, I was coughing. Like, mm. I'm just going to go around the corner. For a, a part bit. of what makes that kind of situation make you laugh, and I think with this, is there's a level of something so uncomfortable about it. That you can't help but find it a little funny. Like, like oh, this woman's getting emotional about it. But there's a level of discomfort watching someone get so emotional about something that you, you personally would be like, I'm not getting that emotional about, about it. Like, <laughs> I just, I, it was just pure funny to me. Well, that, but there has, but on a level, there's something deep within that humor that is like, because it is uncomfortable seeing someone get emotional about something, but still but the, power but on. But the thing was, I didn't think, <laughs> I don't know if she was actually getting emotional or if that was just like an acting choice she was doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when she finished, she she looked at the priest and, and, and he gave her like a card and it just said 10 out of 10. <laughs> and scene. 
but this scene here was riding the line of being hysterical and creepy, and that's Michael mm. Parks' performance, and it's really disappointing that not enough people utilized Michael Parks in his career, like Quinn Tarantino did and Robert Rodriguez did and From Dusk Till Dawn. You, If you haven't seen it, you should see it, especially for the opening sequence which Michael Parks is in. He just comes onto the screen, he's just like some guy. Yeah, yeah, what's his name? <laughs> Kevin Smith was talking about how like at the beginning of that film, Michael Parks was just like nailing everything, then he goes away, and it's like, well, yeah, that he, beginning was great. Yeah, he just comes in, and he's just talking about like some retarded boy that he doesn't want cooking food for him. <laughs> 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 and, he's, yeah, and he's drinking like uh, a fucking like... Uh, Jack. Sk- like he's just drinking like... No, he's drinking like creaming soda or something <laughs> in this hot, sweaty day's having creaming soda some disgusting drink <laughs> and michael parks nailed it and tusk is worth seeing just for michael parks's performance like tusk i have some issues with we're not covering tusk unfortunately yeah, but this is the last one this is the last one but maybe in the future but like tusk i have some issues with but the main issue i have is michael parks elevates that material so much that i wish the movie was a bit more focused like kevin smith focused it in this movie by being purely driven more dramatically in Tusk, he wanted to do more comedy stuff, and I've, it kind of detracts from from the general thing. But this movie, he stays uh, way more into the dramatic vein with comedy, just to ele- add some levity, but not uh, detract the whole genre. This scene here, the kind of epilogue scene, I would say, uh, is more of a comedic scene. But it does have some little dr- dramatic flourishes. Like, I really like the, the, the last little story he tells us about the two dogs mm. that, that just completely forgot who they were to each other and just attacked each other over some gristle, basically. Yeah. Uh, But uh, this scene here is great. Nick, what did you think of this as a kind of little capping off to all the craziness where it's basically explaining all of everything that's happened with this kind of cynical, (laughs) surly... Two guys that weren't there just like, yeah, this is what we were thinking. I just love... One of my favourite lines in this is... um, (laughs) <laughs> when Agent Hammond just looks at him and he's like, yeah, it turns out that these students had a grow house size of like something. He's like, uh, should we put in a report? He's like, I'll write a note. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll write a letter. And he's like scratching his wrist. He's not even <laughs> yeah. looking at him. He's not even care. And it just shows how the government really just, uh, this is just another day for them. Yeah, yeah. And they don't really have any morality or ethics, but yet they do. Like the whole thing is... Why did you give me the order to kill them all? It's like, fuck them. Yeah. These kind of people deserve to fucking die. Like, fuck <laughs> them. And then, you know, the whole thing of, well, you know, we'll ki- you're going to kill them? No. Yeah, kill them with kindness, of course. I mean, <laughs> they're going to be locked up forever, getting fucked in the ass with, <laughs> with dicks the size of Coke, Coke cans. Can cocks, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, this is such a great scene here. There's so many great things. Like, John Goodman has my favorite line of the movie, which I think I already mentioned, which is, uh, at least I mentioned before we started, which is, uh, I apprehended the the culprit. It's like, and how did you do that? I headbutted him. (laughs) He was standing unnaturally close. (laughs) It's just like John Goodman's dry wit delivery. Like, I think John Goodman is such a versatile actor. Like, I, his best performance for me is Walter from The Big Lebowski. But, like, in this movie, he's not dialing it up to 100 like he does in other movies. He's actually really subdued and really meek and quiet. And I could see some people saying, ah, John Goodman's kind of phoning it in. But really, I think that's the part of his character is he's kind of really kind of blasé about things. And you kind of have to be. And that's what adds to the humor is they're also blasé. <laughs> About the horrific story, like Bartek, I think you, you hinted at that you really like the payoff to the the horn. 
Yeah, the, the college students that happen to be nearby. <laughs> I like how elaborate it is, though. Like, the story goes on for a while. Of telling it. Like, and in the end, like, apparently the college students didn't even know the shootout was happening. It was just good, <laughs> good timing. Yeah, yeah, part. dumb coincidence. Yeah, like, dumb luck. And I just love John Goodman. It's just so, like... I mean... They played it through an iPod of all things. I mean, wow! <laughs> you know, he's just like he's actually. Yeah, you said that literally as he was saying it. Wow! And he and he's just so like he's semi-impressed with with their revenge <laughs> scheme. Like I love he's even like there's a little bit of disappointment. But it's like he's telling the story about like yeah they're breaking windows and burning dog shit and it's like oh the kids did that. No, no, the Coopers did that to these kids. The kids didn't even phone the cops or nothing. <laughs> he sounds a little bit disappointed in the kids but then he's like revved up again when he's talking about like so they came up with a better style of revenge. <laughs> yeah. And then I do like the payoff that it's actually like yeah like like, like you said Nick like they, they're growing pot at this, <laughs> at this place and then he's like oh but you know Considering that they saved a lot of lives, <laughs> uh, maybe we should give us like I'll write a letter. <laughs> Not even caring. He doesn't give a shit. Like none of them do, except for John Goodman. But he doesn't truly give one because he still followed through on a level with all this terrible stuff, and he gets yeah. rewarded for it in the end, <laughs> anyway. So I feel like in the end, he's learned the lesson of don't have morals, <laughs> because in the end, you get rewarded for it. <laughs> Which is what happens. He gets rewarded for the lack of morals. Or, or at least, you know, opposing your morals. <laughs> I do love every time he talks about Stephen Root. <laughs> like, every time he, he mentions... He really doesn't like Stephen Root. <laughs> like, he really fucking hates him. <laughs> he really just talks about him in this negative, condescending manner. Yeah, he's just absolutely, like, not having it at all. Uh, Nick... With movies like this, where there's lots of subversions of expectations and deconstructions of the genre and, and, and stuff like that, that, that does warrant the fact that there's something to like about the genre as a whole. What for you is it that you like about the horror genre? I think if you can give someone the ability to be scared, I think you've done really well as an act, like a director. Mm. And that's why when you were talking about horrors, you enjoy it. It's, it's more the psychological thrillers. The ones yeah, that yeah. stick with you for days. Because you could just get up on a screen and go, boo. And then, that's you know, most of horror nowadays. Yeah. Sounds then, like you got a bagool <laughs> problem. <laughs> I always reference Vincent D'Onofrio on a Skype camera being like, sounds like you got a bagool problem. <laughs> And we kind of came to the conclusion in one of our episodes of our show that the the podcast, uh, not the podcast, the horror genre has been defined by whatever the franchise is at the time. Yeah. Like at the moment, we're still in the nun and the conjuring phase, like that universe. We can blame paranormal activity still, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that kind of followed on from that. And then before that, it was Saw. So we had all the slashes and that stuff. And then yeah, which this moving back. obviously has a slight wink and nudge to because it has that oh, unlikable yeah. characters getting their just desserts kind of thing. But yeah. It doesn't go for the any real body horror, torture, slasher porn shit. No, nah, and that's that's one of the best parts. You can, you can still deliver that without, like, say, like, hostile. It's like, I'm just going to cut your Achilles heel because, fuck, why not? <laughs> like... <laughs> And I'm going to drill some... I'm going to blowtorch an Asian girl's head. Yeah. For funsies. Well, this movie's scary because Michael Parks is singing at the end. And doing his little dance. And he's learned completely nothing (laughs) from his experience. And in fact, feels like he's even more justified (laughs) in his experiences that he's gone through. And Kevin Smith ends the movie with a... Because of Michael Parks' suggestion, Mm. a shut the fuck up. 
which is a nice little way to end the movie. Yeah, I like the explanation too of like, well, you're a writer, so you telling you know a character that you've written to shut the fuck up is yeah. extra funny. And then <laughs> Kevin being like, I don't want to peer, and it like uh, I think it'll pull people out because they'll be like, oh him, and he's like, why the why the hell would anyone think that? Why would they recognize you? Yeah, why would they recognize you? He's like, I have been in other movies, and Michael Park's hearing it, and he's like, I haven't seen those movies. <laughs> like, do you talk in him? No, no, I'm silent. It's like. Ah, fuck not talking being silent not fucking acting um but yeah the, this 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 is one of those things with the horror genre we've covered it a few times Bartek and there's always things about it that makes it for us but uh, just to answer my own question for myself I the horror genre it is it is what makes you afraid it plays on those fears and for me I it is the psychological fears the the philosophical fears the fear of what it is of you know isolation for instance that's why people love the thing the thing is about you know the fear of being completely and absolutely isolated in a situation in which you can't trust anyone it's about all that kind of stuff and that's the kind of stuff that I like the things that plays on those fears of the human psyche that we all worry about the you know deception and mistrust and isolation and you know all that stuff more so than a big guy coming around who's got twisty wisty arms and he's all like I'm the slender man yeah. and I take the kids to the forest <laughs> to make them into fucking trees best ending ever that is actually <laughs> the law of slender man he turns, turns you into, into trees. trees I've heard a lot of things about it not that and if you stab your friends, you get to be in my Slender Mansion. And so a bunch of real-life girls I stab that their story, friends. Yeah. That's more horrifying than Slender Man. Are you saying that when things are realistic, yeah. they're scary? Well, sometimes, and sometimes not. There are some times where when things are so over the top, they can be they go around again to being <laughs> actually terrifying. Like, The Mummy with Brendan Fraser is a stupid movie, and it's so silly. But when The Mummy fucking rips like ha- he uses that guy's fucking eyes and then takes his tongue and he's just like I'm gonna need the rest of you that's actually a terrifying sequence and that's a silly movie but it's so terrifying because it's also so stupid yeah. that it goes all the way around again to being terrifying again so there are some of those moments and we did Deep uh, deep Rising mm. that movie is so stupid that it goes back to being terrifying again so there you go. But what about you, Bartek, to cap off the horror genre? What is it that strikes a chord with you? Well, I know that some of the ones that I've really enjoyed have, you know, thriller aspects to them, uh, which I, I, I guess sometimes they go hand in hand because, you know, it, it is fear of realistic things happening to you and trying to work around it. Mm. Uh, it's it's definitely an interesting genre. I, I haven't explored it too much, but... You know what? I, I There are a lot of things I like about it. Mm. I just need to experience it a bit more. Was there anything in a movie that scared you as a kid? I'm just curious. Was there any, any moment where you're like, ah! For me, I always remember watching Jumanji. <laughs> and there's that bit where Robin Williams sinks through the fucking floor and his face and his fingertips are stuck and there's giant spiders crawling towards his Ugh. face. I don't have a fear of spiders. It was more the fact that he sunk through the floor and then it got hard again and he was like stuck there that, that the, um, terrified me the nightmare sequence from toy story 2 really yeah wow do you it's, remember it i actually do remember it because yeah. i rewatched the toy stories like a couple months ago so i was like oh yes 
Because I never really go back to Toy Story. Everyone loves Toy Story 2 the most. I'm, I still like oh, yeah. Toy Story 1 mm-hmm. the most. Alrighty, let's get into our reviews and ratings, and then we'll get into what Bartek has accrued from the internet. Accrued. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go first. Red State. A pleasurable experience going down uh, a, a, an avenue of a director's work that they haven't gone down before at that time. This is a, a new road that Kevin Smith was entering. He thought he was going to retire from making films, but then, you know, he, he, he just couldn't. He's got too much energy and passion for it. And, you know, a lot of people think that his delves into horror like this and Tusk are some of his worst movies. But uh, for me, I don't think so. I think it's uh, admirable that a director like this, a guy known for catering to his audience and for doing the funnies, <laughs> Uh, really tries to outdo himself and push his own genre. Well, people like people who's emulating like Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino is a great director and he's one of my favorites. And I'm not gonna uh, doubt that for a second. But Quentin Tarantino makes the same damn movie every time. It's always a Quentin Tarantino movie. There's no doubt in your mind that you are watching a movie by <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. Well, Kevin Smith, the, I would say most people wouldn't have thought this was his movie. Like a lot like, of people on IMDb didn't. And that's one of the pleasurable things of he's removing him the 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 identity of himself from the movie, which is exactly what he wanted. He he didn't want to make a Kevin Smith movie, which is fantastic. I think he does a great job. If I have to give this movie a rating, which I do, um, I would give this movie a solid Michael Parks ten minute monologue performance. Out of a John Goodman giving us the uh, uh, the the epilogue performance and Stephen Root trips. Oh, and, and Stephen Root just just give that Bartek. I also enjoyed Red State a lot. I also think that it is a film that needs more love. I know, I know. There's like, oh, Bartek, a hundred and forty something episodes in a row of you saying that. <laughs> well, what a surprise. But I mean it this time, because this is a film that people, you know, they don't know that it's a Kevin Smith film, so it has the potential there for a big audience to see it. But a lot of the people that did see it just saw it because, oh, it's a film with an interesting enough premise, I'll watch it. And, you know, they either love it or they hate it. I actually had a moment after I'd finished watching it, like a few hours afterwards, where I thought to myself, you know what? That sequence in the church where he, where the, one of the main guys was in the cage, mm. that kind of set up this idea, this, this narrative possibility that this whole film could be just like a, a messed up mass set in that church. Kind of like, and I was thinking of it, uh, Murder Party, how most yeah. of that film was a guy... Is in one location. Is in one location, a guy being trapped by a bunch of crazy people. But that very soon ended up not being a thing and just ended up being a film that was mostly set around a shootout, you know, yeah. an, an action sequence, basically. But when I was watching the film itself, the devolution sort of into a mostly action shootout film didn't really register with me because there was so much going on there, both established before it and also happening during it, that made it more of a, you know, an interesting story with a bunch of, you know, behind-the-scenes politics at play. Yeah. It was really fascinating to realise. Yeah. And it was fascinating to see play out. 
And we've been saying during the Kevin Smith month, and for a lot of movies and just movie discussions in general, and a lot of people do this, what makes great movies is, you know, you have to have your plot and your characters, and your characters go through, and the plot has three-act structure, and the genre, mm. and, and your characters go through arcs and changes. This movie doesn't really abide by that, and there are so many movies that don't necessarily abide by that that are still good movies, because there are some movies and stories and stuff that don't need and shouldn't have to abide by those conventional tactics of storytelling and yet they still work yeah mm. but then there are those ones that don't work and you can still criticize it for those those trappings and yet they don't work and it's like that fine line of why and why doesn't it work when you go against the grain of conventional kind of storytelling stuff because this movie has multiple main characters none of them actually go through any major arcs mm. most of them die yeah. and it's, <laughs> it's not even really an ensemble film either no yeah. <laughs> like i said passing the baton the stick yeah so do you have a rating yes i give this film the flower of sex <laughs> the sun of religion and the reign of politics <laughs> no knocking farts <laughs> It was pretty knocking farts. <laughs> it was pretty knocking farts. Nick, let's hear from you. Alrighty, so the red state. Well, sorry, red state. No, though, my bad. Um, it is a roller coaster ride of politics. Uh, what basically starts off is just a bunch of kids wanting to get laid. It's super bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. The worst end. <laughs> oh dear. It's, I'll be honest, I didn't I didn't think of the film initially. It's the alternate ending to Superbad, or if the American uh, version of The In-Between is kept going, it's how yes. it would have ended. Yes, <laughs> Billy Ray is such a Neil. Yeah, he is. So you've, you've been put on this pretty direct path from the start that all roads lead to this bloody, beautiful shootout. Yeah. And it's it's told to you in such a beautiful and, and I think, different at the time way as you said he's departing from the usual three-act structure mm. kevin smith is just he's cramming as much different like genres and also tropes into just this 88 minutes as well yeah it's a, it's like, a pretty short movie something that just boils down into a 10-minute sermon and then an action scene <laughs> yeah pretty much so, oh don't forget the five-minute scene <clears throat> where john goodman got out of bed oh yeah, yeah. that took him a while <laughs> yeah. he's a big guy it's very realistic to life which as we said is scary yeah. Yeah. So if you, oh dear. <laughs> so if you weren't watching along, uh, it's a highly recommended film. Yeah. Um, just sit down and turn your brain off and suspend your disbelief just just for at least eighty eight minutes. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're not a part of the Baptist Church, this is a really realistic experience. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> this is what everyone goes through in America in church. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. In the South. Oh, definitely. In the red states. Yeah. Yes. Do you have a rating for this? Uh, so this movie is going to get a Stephen Root's mustache. Yes. From a toothbrush to a handlebar. <laughs> yes. In one shave. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. That's one shave, Bata. Can you do that? <laughs> I can shave once, yeah. <laughs> In his life, he shaved <laughs> once. And it was when he was oh, a baby. Well, I, I could It was when he was a baby out of the womb. They <laughs> shaved him once and then it's, he grew it back it's to get rid of like you know bo not body mass but the amount of space I'm taking up in the world so I can get out of Bartek the Bartek didn't have an umbilical cord it was just his belly hair twisted <laughs> into a cord and they, and they had to get a barber in with clippers <laughs> and it was a Polish barber of 
course. And, and your mom is like, ee! and it's like, that's you. That's why all Polish people are bored. Mm. They're in fact bored like Cousin It. They just shoot out like a little hair thing. One of my favorite jokes on the Adams Family, you know Cousin It, right? Yeah, yeah, Harry. One of my favorite jokes is uh, uh, they ask him what's underneath all that hair and the response that Gomez answer, like gets an answer from, like, he's like, oh, yes, of course, shoes. <laughs> it's just such a you response. Or there's an episode well, where Gomez... it's like Gomez... what I was saying with the, the, the phones, like explaining what you just heard. Or Gomez once uh, talks about how haunted he was because he, he tried to shake his hand and his, and his hand went through Cousin It <laughs> uh, because there's nothing in there. But Bart's like, what did the internet have to say? You've already kind of preluded that there was some on there that didn't even really factor in. It was a Kevin Smith movie. Like, whoa. Yeah, the, I didn't bring those, but those were things that I read in my searching. Well, it's good to know. But yeah. let's hear what the internet had to say. Because, you know, Nick, the internet's a lovely place. You know, yeah. people always have nice comments to make. You know, they always should be giving reviews and ratings to the podcast they listen to, like ours and Nick's. You yeah. know, just saying. Uh, iTunes. We, we do the things... For you guys, where's the return? You know, this is a two-way street, people. Yeah. <laughs> and when you actually rate and review on iTunes, uh, a, a member from Apple actually comes over to our house and punches us in the face. Yeah. But not uh, too but, hard. But they punch love. you each star that you give. <laughs> <laughs> so if you give five, they punch us five times. <laughs> so if you're incredibly into violence, then give us a five-star <laughs> review. There, you love know, Ryan, there are some very concerned pacifists listening that don't want to write a review. Oh, guys, no. <laughs> That's why I've given you no star reviews. I haven't reviewed you at all. Thank you, Will. (laughs) He hasn't reviewed us, our friend Will. He's been on the show, so it's only fair. I think we should let everyone review us, because then we would have like 60 reviews from all of our friends, but we're not that capitalistic. But Bartek, what did YouTube have to say? You're implying we earn money for this. (laughs) Uh, The first comment I found from YouTube, actually, goes as such. Too bad Kevin Smith didn't make a movie about religions that actually kill sinners, such as ISIS. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) So, a recent comment, then. Nope. Instead, he makes a make-believe fantasy movie based on WBC, evil as they are. They don't go around killing homosexuals or adulterers. Oh, God. Maybe he should make a movie about liberals that go around massacring people like Christopher Dorner or the Columbine Killers or... I would really love that. Yeah, yeah, sure, go on. Or Adam Lanza. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Only conservative Christians are evil. <laughs> uh, derp. Was that Fred Phelps? Yeah, that- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but this this person actually copied and pasted this comment a few times in response to some people. <laughs> Sounds like Fred Phelps to me. This next comment is, and I think you kind of touched on it earlier, Ryan. Yes, <laughs> yes I love touching things. <laughs> Hit us. Can you contain yourself? (laughs) It's only five words. I can do this. Oh, no. (laughs) This is Donald Trump church. (laughs) And it has a response. It has a response. It's beautiful. (laughs) So, comment. This is Donald Trump church. And the response is, all antichrists usually go to church. His buddy Putin goes to churches too when he's not murdering thy (laughs) neighbours. (laughs) Hillary wrote a comment (laughs) (laughs) The next comment is 
<laughs> this has to be the worst movie I've ever seen. Don't waste your time. Okay. The story made no sense. Killing of main characters at the most random moments, no character introductions, bad casting, and overall the movie sucked. Don't know why they call this a horror movie. It's more like a cheap thriller. Okay. Uh, they would lo- really love his film Yoga Hoses, where literally every single character that is introduced has it freeze frame, and then some funky text text comes down to say their name and a bi- and a mini bio for you to read, <laughs> and it stays like that for a solid like half a minute, and then it proceeds with the film. Like every character gets that, so they would love Yoga Hoses. Yeah. Uh, we've got three more comments. Ooh. They're not very long. Are they five words? <laughs> One of them's less. Uh, <laughs> the next comment is best horror I seen in a while. Or thriller, whatever the hell it was, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a comment response to the previous yeah. person. <laughs> the next comment is Yeah, let's let's hear this one. <laughs> it sure looks like a horror movie. Please, Kevin, just one more Jay and Silent Bob film. Just this one last time. Make me laugh, please. Now, I just want to point out before I read the rest, laugh is the only word they misspelt in that whole sentence. Okay. P.S. Sorry I was bad spelling. I was really pissed writing this and I'm from Poland, smiley face. (laughs) It was your dad, I know it. No, my dad's really good with English, so it couldn't be. But he was pissed, you see, and your dad was like, ooh, I have three toilets in my house. Ooh, he was angry. And the last comment is in all caps and many exclamation marks. One word, go on. Polska! <laughs> Polska? Someone really loves Poland. <laughs> <laughs> it's your dad, I know it. I knew it. I knew it. I was right at the beginning when he, this film's title was actually Polish all along. <laughs> it's that, and we just are too dumb. And it's like, it's Wednesday. <laughs> And all I have left is a single IMDb review. Is it written by a Polish lover? Like the previous <laughs> comments? Three comments. Like the previous 15 <laughs> comments? They do not disclose any sort of They're written by your dad and your mom and your brother. They're like, oh, Bart is going to love this. I don't think my brother cares that much about Poland. <laughs> wow, I'm going to tell that to Oscar, spelt the Polish way. <laughs> this review is titled, OK Action Movie. That's it. <laughs> It is from the 18th of October, 2011, and there is no rating. So it's 10 stars automatically. Let's see this piece of shit uh, (laughs) art takes aim at Christianity and government. And in brackets, wow, that's original. (laughs) To be on... What the fuck do you want? (laughs) Yeah. To be on... I can imagine them being like... Uh, Citizen Kane, a story about a young man's rise and fall of power. <coughs> Original. <laughs> Tacked on. Didn't deserve it. It did, it did deserve not getting an Oscar nomination. Yeah, you're right. It sucks. Go on. All right, Roger. Uh, to be <laughs> Too much passion for Roger, that was. <laughs> Too much passion. <laughs> to be honest, it wasn't a bad story, and the action was pretty good. 
As far as everything else is concerned, John Goodman was the only thing worth watching. Liar! The, <laughs> the makers of the movie should have concentrated on entertainment instead of trying to make a social and political commentary. <laughs> they, are, <sighs> they are trying to make the US look like a red state, when in fact... I'm pretty sure they would be the first to support Mr. Obama, who has taken away more freedoms than any president before him. I guess the point to make... Sorry. I guess the point to the movie makers is don't throw stones if you live in a glass house and concentrate on entertaining your audience rather than trying to sway popular opinion with propaganda. And in brackets... After all, that is what red states really do. <laughs> oh, by the <laughs> oh, by the way, the ending was really weak and quite disappointing. Yeah, and it's a fake movie, and uh, I have big hands. Well, Ryan, just to remind you, the second sentence was, to be honest, it wasn't a bad story, and the action was pretty good. I heard that part, yeah. and I want to suppress it. <laughs> uh, thank you, Bartek, for those marvellous gems. Thank you to the listening people. Uh, thank you for, to Kevin Smith for making such unappreciated movies. Unfortunately, we couldn't cover every one of these unappreciated movies. Of course, there's Task and Yoga hoses. Yeah, we, we really should have... You know, thought about it when we picked the shortest month to do a theme month. Oh, it was either this or Dolly Parton month, and I thought, let's do Kevin Smith. Because <laughs> everyone loves Dolly Parton, right? I mean, we all love her movies. Yes. The ones that aren't nine to five? No. We've all seen those. <laughs> They're great. She's the best. Nick, thank you so much for coming on. Do tell us more about your podcast, where people can find it, and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, you can find us on Podbean. Just search for Dem Fancy Dinosaurs. It's at D-E-M. Yeah, D-E-M. Fancy Dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. And you're on the iTunes and all that, too. Yeah, we're on Sp everywhere, Spotify. pretty much. Yeah, Spotify. It takes a while to get on there. Yeah, especially <laughs> through Podbean. I am. Um, but uh, they're doing well. You got social medias as well? Yeah, uh, Twitter's at DemFancy. Nice. And Instagram at DemFancyDinosaurs. We used Facebook for a bit, but it's it's like a garbage wild, wild west of, I don't know, nothing. Well, Kevin Smith knows a lot about the film Wild, Wild West. <laughs> Jim West. Um, uh, excellent, man. Uh, thanks for coming on, you know, and you people at home, make sure to check out Dem Fancy Dinosaurs podcast. They do good stuff. Isn't that right, Bartek? Yes. You know, they talk, you guys, yeah, like you said, you break down the pop culture stuff, but also, like, a news stuff and what's happening, but also you guys have the fun discussion of, you know, yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about how I really cut my finger bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a great story. Um, you know, and, and stuff like, and stuff like that, which is, which is really great, you know, and you guys have, what, like, hour-long episodes, I would say, a yeah, lot of the time. Yeah, give and, uh. Yeah, yeah, and these guys, you know, give them a listen. They're, you know, up and coming. You guys got new equipment recently, so yeah. your sound's even better than the earlier episodes, <laughs> but those earlier episodes are still really good. You had a really great one where you had... Thank you. <laughs> you had a really great one, even though the audio wasn't great, where you were interviewing. Um, yeah, it was a mental health expert. Mental health expert one, yeah. That's a really good one to listen to, too, even if it does sound like you're <laughs> in a toilet. <laughs> but no, you got good sound and all that, so check them out, guys. Make sure to do that. As always, you have been fantastic, amazing, wonderful listening people. We will be proceeding for the next while to just do the regular cover random movies. And hopefully um, we cover only unappreciated masterpieces. I don't want no accidental 
like appreciated Oscar winning movies <laughs> on this. Like I don't want us to come in next week and we're like, okay guys, we're doing uh, Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> and people are like, excuse me, that beat uh, Saving Private Ryan for the Oscar. And we're like, what? <laughs> I mean, do we have any? I mean, you're fucking joking, right? And then and then someone's like, and Rafe Fine's brother is the lead role in it. And you're like, wait, there's another <laughs> Fine's? We're recording this the day before the this year's Oscars, so maybe we'll find out, you know, what gets unappreciated there. Oh, 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 man, man! If 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 for <laughs> some reason the Boss Baby wins Best Picture somehow <laughs> retroactively, but for this one, <laughs> Alec Baldwin comes on stage in character, dressed as a giant baby, <laughs> like you remember how Seinfeld promoted the bee movie by dressing up as a giant bee and being flung around for like Cannes Film Festival. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Alec Baldwin walks on stage and he quotes every line of dialogue he had from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what that movie does. But who knows, who knows. So until next time, our listening people, remember you can find us on all the social medias too, the Twitters, the Facebook, give us ratings of you, all that kind of stuff. But until then, remember to be kind to each other. <laughs>